Though never kings, the Casterlys became the richest lords in all of Westeros and the greatest power in the Westerlands, and remained so for hundreds of years. By then the Donets had given way to the Age of Heroes. That was when the golden hair rock called Land the Clever appeared from out of the East. Hello and welcome to the second episode of The Company of the Cats, the show where I talk about different stories from the world of ice and fire, along with the real, mythical or fictional events that inspired them. I'm Bladbeard's replacement and your host, and in today's episode we will discuss the legendary Robin Goldtree and her alleged son Land the Clever. It's gonna be a little bit different from the previous one, mainly because it's more about parallels and symbolisms between Lan and the current time Lannisters. I would suggest sticking till the end of the episode because this is where most of the analysis takes place. So if you're interested, let's dive in. In the world book, we get the stories of some famous children of Garth, and one of them is Rowan Goldtree. We learn that she was so devastated because her lover left her for a rich rival, that she wrapped an apple in her golden hair, planted it upon a hill, and grew a tree whose bark and leaves and fruit were gleaming yellow gold, which all of us can agree is the most normal coping mechanism out there. We also know that Rowan's daughters founded House Rowan of Golden Grove. We don't have a lot of information about her, but I doubt the whole story is literal. The word apple is often used when we talk about kids in the books and in the real world alike. The apple doesn't fall far from the tree, it's a very common saying in various different languages, and in the books we see characters call their kids apple quite a lot. For example, Tormund calls Munda, his daughter, his sweet autumn apple. With that in mind, an apple wrapped in her golden hair sounds dangerously close to a kid with her hair. She gave birth, alone and sad, and probably a little bit mad too because her trash of a boyfriend left her, to her golden-haired children. Rovan is a tree, and in most Indo-European mythologies, was connected with courage, wisdom, sacrifice and protection. Red was seen as a protective color, so the Rowan tree with its red berries and bloody red leaves in autumn protected them from evil. Within Scottish folklore, it was believed that cutting down one brings bad luck because they were such strong symbols of protection. In Greek mythology, the myth for the creation of Rowan says that Evie was passing around a brosia to the gods from her magic goblet when demons came in, stole the goblet and Zeus sent an eagle to recover it. The feathers and blood which the eagles shed while fighting with the demons fell to the earth and the gods turned them into a rovan tree in memory of the sacrifice the eagle made. In Norse mythology, rovan was the tree that saved Thor from dying, and rovans that grew out of inaccessible clefts in rock or crevices meant the tree had even more powerful magic. Such trees were known as flying rovans, and wood from these trees was used for divination runes linking them with visions, and dreams. Rovans are the trees that grow in the highest altitude than any other tree in Britain. The ability of these trees to grow in the most inaccessible places is what made people believe they were magical in the first place. Back to the novels, we get a little bit more information about her in the world book in the chapter about the Westerlands. We are told that in the reeds there are tales about Land the Clever being a bastard born to flourish the fox or Rovan. In the Westerlands, it is said that Lan tricked Garth by posing as one of his sons and took part of the inheritance that rightly belonged to Garth's true children. 
Floris is suggested as Lan's mother because she was the smartest child of Garth and she herself had tricked th three different men to marry her at the same time without them knowing about the other's existence. And honestly, I have so many questions on how the fuck did she do that, but now it's not the time. The reason for Ovan being Lan's mother is the physical appearance. I think he indeed was related to Rovan and therefore to Garth. Not only he had the golden hair of Rovan, which is still a family trait of the Lannister and is pointed out all the time, but also the stories we have about him and the Lannisters scream Garth. The legend says that Lan the Clever tricked the Casterlids out of the rock and took it for its own. Supposedly he lived to the age of 312 and had a hundred bold sons and a hundred graceful daughters, all pretty, all healthy and blessed with hair as golden as the sun. We also learn that the early Lannisters were in general very fertile and very beautiful. Many names began to appear in the chronicles and within a few generations Lannisters were so many that not even Casterly Rock could contain all of them. And this is why some kids from lesser branches left to make their homes in the village nearby. Soon enough the village grew so much and became the city of Lannisport. Fertility and longevity are Garth traits, and even if the stories are exaggerated, he still sounds like a descendant of Garth. Even though I'm gonna say I don't find 300 years that crazy. We have many people that extended their lifespan with blood magic, and Mel is currently doing it. She's at least 100 years old, and there is even a possibility that she's up to 400 years old. Serenay of Lys, Sierra's sister, and Alice, and Alice Rivers all did blood magic to keep their youth. And Herdon and Harlon allegedly were banging a witch and they were staying young, so obviously something is going on, and it isn't very hard to believe or far-fetched. Plus, 312 years is a very specific random number. It's not that it has a symbolism or something, like the number 7 for example, that Andals believed to be significant and using it for everything. And it's not an approximation either, like let's say 300. As for the fertility, I think the fact that Lannisport got its name because of the many house members speaks for itself. Additionally to that though, every branch of the tree has at least three siblings and many times up to seven or eight without the bastards of the house and with twins appearing in the tree multiple times. Cat also pointed out that the Lannisters of Casterly Rock were a damnably large and fertile house. Also, many members of the house tend to be philanderer, as a friend said. In the first episode, I talked about the whole custom where lords and common people offered their virgin daughters to Garth, and I said that it sounds like the foundation for the first night. And if this is the case, then the High King of Westeros for sure was getting around plenty and not only with women from the Reeds. Maesters may be skeptical about the stories because we don't know about Garth's kids in many places except from the Reeds, but if the dude had a magic stick, people from other people were coming for this purpose 100%. And it's not like we know exactly Lan's past. Plus, they weren't even seven kingdoms back then, and the southwesterlands isn't that far away from the Reeds. If you look at the maps, 
Arbor is not that much closer to High Garden than Casterly Rock and Lannisport. I swear my neighbors are the Gnu that ranted on Mufasa. What the fuck are they doing? Anyway, as far as his character goes, it's normal to believe him clever, cunning, dedicated and ready to walk all over people and trick them to achieve his goals because these are traits we associate with House Lannister. But these are not necessarily Lannister traits, but Tywin and Cersei traits. We have many historical and current timeline Lannisters, and they aren't such douchebags. Hell, Tywin's dad was known for being naive and jolly. So I'm not sure that Lan tried to steal from Garth and from Casterlis just for the sake of it. I mean, if Rowan was indeed his mother, and he was a bastard, then he couldn't inherit Rowan because he wasn't a legal kid, but that doesn't mean he couldn't be pissed about it and try to claim it. Moving to the Casterlis for a little bit, the legend that we know tells us that the first Casterly lord was a hunter, Corlos, son of Caster, who lived in a village near to where Lannisport is today. When a lion began preying upon the village's ship, Corlos struck the lion back to its den and gave in the base of the rock, and armed only with a spear, he slew the lion and his mate, but spared her newborn cubs. An act of mercy that so pleased the old gods that they sent a sudden shaft of sunlight deep into the cave, and there in the stony walls, Corlos beheld the gleam of yellow gold, a vein as thick as a man's waist. A very Heracles of him, and also a great irony, considering that one of the most popular stories about how they lost Casterly Rock is that Lance smuggled a pride of lions inside and Lord Casterly and his sons were all devoured after Lance claimed his wife and daughters for himself. We have many stories about the taking of Casterly Rock, but this one in particular is very very interesting, because first, it's the only story where he kills the male lion, and second, because the lions ate only the men of the family and no one else. Which is kinda sus, except if they were controlled somehow, and that wouldn't be very strange because we already know, kids of Garth, that they were skin changers, and all of them had magic. Additionally, this is the story that Jaime believes, and we know for a fact that Lannister kings were keeping lions on their own in the Age of Heroes. We know that Lan took the castle and the women, but we don't know about the sigil or the words of the house. I would assume that if the Casterlys had a sigil and a motto, they weren't the lions and the hear me roar. Corlos was the guy that killed the lions. In mythologies from around the world, lion slayer figures aren't portrayed with the lions alive, they had the lions dead as pelts, and surely they weren't comparing themselves with the lion they killed. The lion was the monster and they were the heroes. The motto also doesn't fit that well. They found gold and they were rich, Yes, but they weren't kings, they weren't war chiefs, and they didn't care much about expanding or ruling. They had money and they were powerful because of that. The Hear Me Roar and the King of the Animals as a sigil is not very pertinent. Land, though, is the dude that used the lions to take the castle. His name resembles the word lion. He is the founder of House Lannister, the Lions of the West, and future Kings of the Rock. Plus, it fits the drama queen energy of the house so good. <laughs> and last thing about the legend of Corlos is that many of the words used in the story are used for Rovans and Lance too. 
we see words like gleaming sunlight, sun and yellow gold to describe both the vein Corlos found and the golden tree that Rovan grew. Back to Rovan now. We know that she had a lover that left her because he wanted riches and apparently they did the deed before the split since we know that she had kids. And I would bet that the guy was Corlos and Lan was his son. And if not kid, then direct descendant at least. Even though, as I said before, 300 years aren't that crazy if we consider magic. Our author calls many characters by their houses animals constantly throughout the books, with Lannisters being the lions for obvious reasons. Lan was the first lion, the founder, the lion whisperer who used them to take Casterly Rock, and that would make his mother the lioness. Casterly Rock is carved out of a colossal stone hill beside the Sunset Sea, and inside a cavern there, there was a lioness with newborn cubs. There was also a male lion that was preying on ship from the village and our boy Corlos hunted down. Thing is, male lions aren't hunters. It is common knowledge that the female lions are. The males are guards and take care of the cubs when the females are going hunting. If indeed this was a couple, then the story is off. Except if it wasn't about actual lions. The story sounds like a simile, a different recitation of the story of Rovan. As I said in the beginning, I think Rovan Smith hints that she probably gave birth at a hill. She gave birth to Lan, the first Lannister, and the guy that could control lions in some myths. So there is a big chance his mom could do that too. And that would explain why a random male lion was hunting alone. Rovan was skin changing into it, because he couldn't leave the cavern. In most real world stories and legends, Big male lions that have been slain don't wander around, they are in a specific place, they are territorial with the region and they get angry when people go there. Which makes sense since real life lions act like that. The Nemean lion that was causing havoc in the hills around Nemea, first of all, was on its own, didn't have a partner. And second, Ira sent it for that reason. Another very interesting thing is that the Nemean lion had a protective impassable golden fur. In our story, Rovan was sending the lion instead of Ira, because she needed to protect her kids while they were living inside the rock, making a great parallel and a beautiful symbolism with her three counterparts and lion mothers alike, since lion mothers are especially protective of their cubs. We are told that Corlos slew the lion and his mate, but spared her newborn cubs, an act of mercy that so pleased the old gods. Only that I doubt the old gods were that impressed with that act. I think Corlos killed Rovan and her lion, but he spared the kids, and the reason is indeed the old gods. Kinslaying was cursed, it was seen as one of the most heinous acts, he couldn't kill his kids because like all first men he was superstitious. I believe Rovan chose this place because it was the best place for her kids to have a life. There were its forests that surrounded, the sea was full of fish, it provided natural protection and had gold. A golden tree with golden fruits and golden branches, it's a great way to describe a big golden vein inside the rock. The thicker vein looks like a tree trunk with the smaller ones around it resembling the branches. And the golden fruits symbolize the gold they mine. Even the members of the house are golden. Tywin's eyes are described green but with golden flags. And people even say that he must shed gold. 
Davin's eyes are also cold and all members have golden hair. I think Corlos killed her, banished the kids and took the rock for himself. He left her, at first probably for another woman, and killed her after for wealth. The kids obviously at some point grew up and we are told that the female line found house, founded House Rovan in Northern Ridge just fine. The part that Lan took from Garth in the stories I am guessing is Golden Grove and his sister or sisters kept it, since he was determined to take Casterly Rock from what we saw. I believe at first he really tried to convince the High King and his relative that Casterly Rock was a gift from Rovan to her children and that they were cheated out of it, but they couldn't give him the rock so they gave him Golden Grove, seat of House Rovan. A place very close to the Westerlands, but probably still inside the part that the Gardener Kings and Garth ruled. His sister or sisters maybe got over it or were okay with the part they were given, but Lan was not. A Lannister always pay his debts is a phrase so closely related with the Lannisters that people think it's their motto. The phrase literally means they can be trusted to pay back favors or loans. The thing is that we see them use the flip side way more often. If wronged, a Lannister will seek revenge. And he did exactly that. Jaime believed that story that Lan indeed killed the male line. The thing is, how did Lan know? Rowan was dead and I doubt any other person knew. I think the answer to that is in Jamie's dreams. They gave no answer, only prodded him with the points of their spears. He had no choice but to descend. Down a twisting passageway he went, narrow steps curled from the living rock, down and down. I must go up, he told himself, up, not down, why am I going down? Below the earth his doom awaited, he knew with the certainty of dream. Something dark and terrible lurked there. Something that wanted him, Jamie tried to hold but their spears prodded him on. If only I had my sword, nothing would harm me. The steps ended abruptly on echoing darkness. Jamie had the sense of vast space before him. He jerked to a halt, teetering on the edge of nothingness. A spear point jabbed at the small of his back, sobbing him into the abyss. He shouted but the fall was short. He landed on his hands and knees upon soft sand and shallow water. There were watery caverns deep below Casterly Rock. But this was what was strange to him. What place is this? Your place, the voice echoed. It was a hundred voices, a thousand, the voices of all the Lannisters since Landa Clever who lived at the dawn of days. In Jamie's dreams, the castle is calling him to go there. It is described as being alive and it was his place to be there. And funny thing is that he was prodded with spears with the exact same way in the exact same place. Corlos killed the lions. He also had a dream where he spoke with his mother when he fell asleep under the Weirwood. His dreams appear rather real and very similar to the green dreams and visions that Stark members have about the crypts. In the dream where he spoke to his mother, Joanna said, We all dream of things we cannot have. Tywin dreamed that his son would be a great knight, that his daughter would be a queen. He dreamed they would be so strong and brave and beautiful that no one would ever laugh at them. I have seen many people bring this dream up to back up the theory that Jamie and Cersei are Eris's kids, but I don't think this is the case. First of all, there are countless posts and videos debunking this theory because the timeline doesn't fit, but also because Jamie in his dream had the exact opposite experience from John in his creep dreams. John, at that point, I think it's canon that he's a Targaryen. 
when he visits the crypts in his dreams, he hears all the Starks telling him that this isn't his place, even though from his mother's side is a Stark. They say to him that he doesn't belong. On the other side, Jaime hears every Lannister since Lan that Casterly is his place. I think Joanna's comment was because of the relationship between Jaime and Cersei and how Tywin knew. Tywin was a terrible person on many occasions, and not only to Tyrion. The sack, the fact that he was not only keeping but rewarding Gregor, the things he did to Tysa and to his father's mistress. Yes, he was calculating, intelligent, a good politician, but he was ruthless and cruel and controlling for no reason at all many times. The thing is, he did all those things for his house. He dedicated his life to ensure House Lannister is respected and feared. He was also extremely harsh with people that betrayed them or tried to trick them and his worst fear was he or his family being mocked and laughed at like his father was. I think the reason why Tywin's dream didn't come true is because the twins are indeed his kids and not only they let him down but the whole house. At this point, the story that Cersei and Jaime are fucking is going around. In Tywin's eyes, both of them took decisions that led to the house's reputation downfall, even though he tried to do everything for them and loved them. Tywin's cruelty with Tyrion on the other side, I think is mostly because in his mind there was the possibility that Tyrion wasn't his son, and not because of his physical appearance per se. I know many secret Targaryen theories are ridiculous at this point, and I would too prefer if Tyrion isn't one. But his dreams, unlike Jaime's, are dragon dreams. He is dreaming about fire and blood, and from the first chapter we see him, he has a big fascination with dragons. On top of that, he has white blonde hair with some black strands, and one of his eyes is onyx black. In Tywin's mind, his wife, that he loved dearly, died because he gave birth to a child that wasn't his, wasn't healthy, and probably Joanna conceived this kid through rape. And despite all this, Tyrion has way more of his qualities than his actual children. Having said all this, maybe Lan was similar to Jaime. Mine is a sister, fucking I hope. And he too dreamed about Casterly Rock and talked with his mother in his dreams. Maybe Lan wasn't just a greedy bastard or cruel for the sake of it, and like Tywin, he was dedicated to restore his family's name. Rowan again, like Tywin, made sure that Casterly Rock is for her family. The golden light wasn't the gods, it was her making sure her descendants will get what is rightfully theirs. They will not be tricked and mocked like she was. Like the Starks, the Lannisters look like they are connected with their Sith. The rock that looked like a lion in repose when the sun sets and the shadows fall, it wasn't for the guy that killed the lions to get. That was all for today's episode. It's a little bit bigger than the previous one, I think. I haven't edited yet, but I think it's bigger. It was a fun way to explain Lance Legend, which is one of my favorites, by the way. Leave your own theories and thoughts about the episode, about how Casterly Rock is the best castle, and whatever else you want to talk about. If you stuck till the end of the episode, thank you very, very, very much for listening. I hope you enjoyed it, and if you did, then tune in for the next one, that I will talk about giants and unicorns. <laughs>